We are in our first series of the year, January series, that we're calling He Is, and I'm so excited about this series. It's been such a blessing for me already. I hope it has been for you too. Uh, we are talking about who God is. Uh, we are setting the, the foundation here at the beginning of the year of who God is, uh, his heart, his authority, his character, and how we fit into all of that. And uh, as I mentioned last week, you know, when we living in a society where uh, the idea of who God is is becoming more and more subjective, it's so important that we set our foundation on what the Word of God says about who he is. We are letting him tell us who he is. And uh, it's, been, it's been really uh, exciting and encouraging for me, and like I said, I hope for you too. Uh, my text verse today is going to be out of Genesis 22, and uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. It'll also be on the screen. Uh, but while you're looking that up, let me set the stage for this, this chapter, this verse. This is right after Abraham had finally had the child of the promise. The Lord had promised him a child in his old age that would carry on his name, and he would be a great nation, and we know as today as the, the Jews. And it was an incredible answer to the promise that God had given him, but he couldn't get too excited because God threw him a curveball pretty quick in this whole journey of him and Isaac. Uh, so I'm going to read this passage. In fact, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as I do, uh, as we read. It's a, it's a longer passage, but stay with me because it is actually one of the most incredible stories you'll see in all of Scripture. And we're going to start right in verse 1. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. He, carried him, he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the, foot, the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his very son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by the horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. What an amazing passage of scripture. The title of my message today in our He Is series is He Is Our Provider. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be in the house together, to be under the roof, and God, to be able to come into your presence. Lord, we thank you for your presence in this place. Would you do in our lives what only you can do by the power of your word? Let your word transform us, God, and we will give you all the glory. You are the only one that deserves it. You are worthy. Jesus, and we thank you for it. And it's in your precious name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. 
Praise God. So last week we opened up this series and talked about the names of God a little bit. Uh, you know, that, that there's lots of names in the Bible for God. We, most of them we see as just God. That's how it translates to English most of the time. But nevertheless, there are lots and lots of names. And I laid out some of them for you just to, just to give you some context. I wanna show you, we're gonna show you that table we used last week uh, real quickly just to show you some of the names of God and what they mean. Uh, the first one is Yahweh, which we've all heard. It means Lord. Uh, El Shaddai takes it to another level. It means Lord God Almighty. Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord that heals. Are you thankful that we serve a God whose name is meant to heal you? Praise God. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, which, we, which I talked about last week. And then this week, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Praise God. So when Abraham called this mountain, or called this place, the Lord will provide, it means it's literally Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. Anyone ever experienced Jehovah Jireh in their life? Everyone ever experienced the provision of God in your life? You know, it's actually kind of a trick question because we've all experienced his provision. The Bible says in him, we live and move and have our being. So if you're living and moving and you are being, you've experienced Jehovah Jireh in your life. Everything that we have comes from him. But when we think about God's provision, when we think about Jehovah Jireh, oftentimes we think about more than that. Like we kind of take that stuff for granted. We think more about those miraculous provisions, those provisions that come that were kind of puts us in awe. We say, wow, look what God did. Look how God provided for me in my life. You know, Jehovah Jireh is an old favorite in the church. If you grew up in the church, you probably heard that term many times, that name of God. There's even songs that sing about Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And uh, I'm not going to sing it for you. You're welcome. Uh, but it is real. And there are plenty of songs, actually. And we love the idea of Jehovah being our provider. And, but unfortunately for us, too oftentimes, it's just about the miraculous provision. It's not really about uh, all the things he provides for us. But uh, because we want him to you know, send the miracle money when we're in a pinch. Lord, provide me a miraculous check in the mail to help me with my situation I'm in. Uh, provide me a car to replace my junky, broke down piece of junk, right? Provide me a job to save me from the job that I'm in now. And those things are all good, and he does those things. He's our provider. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from God. So we thank him for that. But God, the names of God, all of the names of God, they're not just about the conspicuous miracles that might happen in our life. If you've ever gotten over a cold or the flu or COVID, Jehovah Rapha did that in your life. If you've ever had peace in your heart, you got a visit from Jehovah Shalom. And every provision you've ever had in your life, every meal you've eaten, every bill you've paid, every shower you've taken was because of Jehovah Jireh. Because he is the one that provides all of those things for us. And we can be guilty sometimes of assuming that it means his name, Jehovah Jireh, means what we think it should mean or what we think we need in our life, the provisions that we think we need. You know, I need a new job. I need a spouse. I need a career. I need a house to call my own. I need a bigger house to call my own. 
I need a car, all these things that we can think that we need and we can think that that's what it means to be, for him to be Jehovah Jireh, and it does. But that's only a piece of the pie. That's only a portion of it. I'm so thankful though that he is our provider, that he is a good father, that he gives good gifts, that, that he meets our needs in times in life when we have those needs. I'm definitely thankful for that, but I want to suggest to you today and I wanna challenge you today to go beyond the surface of this name of God and look into the deeper meaning of this name. Let's look at the context of Jehovah Jireh in the Bible and what it actually means in our life. Maybe it's more than just that he will provide all of my needs. Maybe it's more than that. In fact, if you look up Jehovah Jireh, if you do a word search in your Bible, it only shows up one place in your Bible. And that's the text that I just read a little bit ago. It's the only place that you see God as my provider in the Bible. So if we see it, where we see it in the scriptures, that's where we need to go to see what does that mean, that he's my provider. It's not just some blanket statement that he's a provider for me, so anytime I get a pinch, I can just ask him, and he's just gonna do whatever I need. Because we all know that there are times we get in pinches and we pray, and he doesn't do what we think we need. So maybe it's not quite that simple. You know, Abraham called him this, but it was after a very, very tumultuous three days. And it was only after Abraham walked in obedience and faithfulness that he actually saw the provision of God. And so that's why I share this as my text verse today because I wanna, I wanna go through this, I wanna kinda break it down a little bit and give some, what I see as characteristics of God, characteristics of Jehovah Jireh in this passage. And I wanna share those with you today because I think it's gonna encourage you, I think it'll challenge us, I think it'll set us free, and, uh, and I'm excited about it. So the characteristics of Jehovah Jireh, the first one is that Jehovah Jireh tests us. The provision that we want from God often comes after a test in our life. In fact, the very first verse of my text verse, Genesis 22 verse one, starts out by saying sometime later, this is after Abraham had got the fulfillment of the promise that he was gonna have a son, sometime later, God tested Abraham. Everyone say, God tested. God tested Abraham. Now this is not a popular concept in modern Christendom. I'm very, very aware of that. We don't like to talk about God testing us, but can I tell you today, in fact, I came here today to tell you that the sooner and the more clearly that we can get understanding of this, the freer we will be. That's right, I said the freer we will be. How can me understand that God tests me? How does that make me free? Because I believe wholeheartedly that we are bound up by this idea that nothing bad in my life, nothing that would make me uncomfortable could ever come from God. That nothing in my life that I don't like could be from God because God is a God of love. He's a good father. How can that God of love ever bring things into my life that would make me uncomfortable or make me unhappy in my life? And this thinking, this is a toxic mindset for us to have because and it, what it does is it hurts us because it, here's the thing. If this is actually what we believe, and let me tell you, church, a lot of people in the Christian faith believe this, that there's nothing that could come from God that's not just candy canes, sugar, 
and beautiful things and flowers and rainbows and, and just really good ooey gooey feelings. There's a lot of people that believe that. There's a lot of churches that teach that, but I could tell you unequivocally, it is heresy. It is not from the word of God because here's the thing. When we get in this mindset that nothing bad or nothing uncomfortable could ever come from God, that means anytime something we deem as bad or something we deem uncomfortable in our life comes into our life, it means we have to fight against it. So we're just constantly fighting against all these things that we think if we can get God to come into these situations and fix all these things, boy, then I could really enjoy this faith that I live. And so we fight against these things in our life all the time and we push against them and we try to figure out how to fix it. But if we will stop and we will sit before the Lord and we wait on him, we might see in these situations that we don't have to fight against it, that we can wait, that we can trust him and we can get discernment as to whether or not this is from him. And then all we have to do is obey. Sometimes it's just a matter of waiting it out. And there's a freedom that comes in that, that I don't have to figure out how to fix this. I can actually wait for God and know that actually this test in my life came from God. That he's actually the one that brought this into my life. And it's incredibly freeing for us. Now, let me qualify that. Freedom doesn't always mean fun, okay? Having a freedom in something doesn't mean it's going to be fun. I don't need to see scripture to, to pretty much assume that Abraham was not having a blast over those three days traveling to that mountain. He wasn't cutting up with his servants and cracking jokes and you know playing, playing pranks on each other. This was a very tumultuous time for Abraham knowing that he was headed to Mount Moriah to sacrifice his son. So he, even though he was free, we know he was free because of how he responded to what God said, it doesn't mean it was fun. The freedom that, gives, that we have isn't always gonna be fun, but there will be a peace in our heart when we discern that something in our life that's uncomfortable is from God. Because if God's in it, we know at the end, the Bible is incredibly clear that he works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So we can trust that in the process and have peace in the middle of it. I wanna tell you today that Jehovah Jireh, he loves you. He loves you a lot. And his love is actually perfect for you. And by, by, that, by us saying that his love is perfect, that means we won't always fully understand it. Because the way we love is not perfect. The way we love is very, very flawed. Even the best of us, the best we can love, a spouse or a child, it's flawed. Sometimes our love is self-serving. It's self-seeking. Sometimes it's narcissistic. Sometimes it's enabling. I mean, who in here, if you're a parent, who of you has not enabled your kid at some point because you didn't want to look like the bad guy? That's not a perfect love. So our love is not perfect. God's love is perfect, and that means there's going to be aspects of it that we're not going to understand because we are far from perfect. So, but we can trust him in it. God's love is perfect and beyond our understanding. This craziest of tests that he brought to Abraham came from the God of love. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he will test us in our life. What is our part in all of this? It is to find out if what I'm dealing with, these situations in my life, if any of them are tests from God. You say, well, how do I do that? I don't have God yelling at me like he did to Abraham, and you're right. But you know what, we have his spirit in us if you're a follower of Jesus, and he can speak to your spirit. It's not an audible voice necessarily, it's not something you hear with your ears, it's something you hear with your heart. It's something you hear on the inside, you just know God is telling you something. 
And we can sit before God and get the discernment to understand whether or not what we're going through is a test that he's brought. Because if it is, then we just need to keep doing what we're doing and being obedient and be faithful and watch the provision come in the process. It's so important that we understand what God is doing because even in this story with Abraham, we see that God was doing multiple different things. At the beginning of this, it says that sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said, Abraham, and Abraham said, yes, sir. And God says, go, go, I'll show you where to go, but take your son and go. Three days later, angel yells to Abraham, Abraham, yes, sir, stop, <laughs> stop, don't touch the boy. So he went from go to stop. We have to be able to discern what God is saying. Just because he said something one day doesn't mean that you just live your whole life, the rest of your life, assuming that that meant your, the rest of your life. It could be for a season. We have to be able to discern what he's saying. So we have to be able to listen to what he is speaking to our hearts. And that means getting quiet before him. That means being in tune with him. That means being purposeful to allow him to speak to you and not just assuming that I'm gonna do something because it seems like the logical thing to do. Nothing could have been further from the logical thing to do for Abraham to go slay his son. And he was listening to the voice of God. So God is the one that will test us. Jehovah Jireh, our provider, will test us. And not only does he test us, Jehovah Jireh will often ask the most difficult things of us. Jehovah Jireh, the provider, the one that, that's the name, we, we like that one. That Jehovah Jireh, that characteristic of God will often ask the most difficult things of us. And if you follow Jesus, he will ask you to do some of the most difficult things you'll ever have to do in your life. If he has never, if you've been saved for a long time, he has never asked you to do difficult things, I can confidently say you are not paying attention. And I don't mean that to beat you down, because we've all missed it. There have been times I've turned a deaf ear to anything God wanted to say to me, because I was determined I was gonna do what I wanted. But as a lifestyle, as, a, as living out this faith, if he has never challenged you to do something difficult, you're definitely not paying attention. Be, well, or either that or you're the only person in the history of the world that he's never asked to do something difficult. Because everyone in scripture, everyone in my life that I've ever known, me personally, plenty of difficult things in my life. In fact, I would say that it is constant in my life that he asked me to do difficult things. He asked me to move to the Sahara Desert. That was, that was a challenge. He asked me to start a business 20 years ago that, that I didn't wanna do. That was tough, and it wasn't for me, it was for him. He asked me to forgive debt multiple times in my life and in my business that I didn't wanna do. That was a challenge. He's asked me to forgive people in my life that have wronged me and didn't ask for forgiveness, and I didn't wanna forgive them, but he's asked me to do that. He's constantly asking me, and he's constantly asking you to do difficult things, and sometimes it's the most difficult Thing that he could ask us to do. And he will ask us to give up things. There's so many things about our faith where God will ask us to do things that are challenging for us. He'll ask us to give up things, but I can tell you it's almost always not something that we actually want to give up. Have you ever noticed how God's never asked you to give up vegetables? If you're fasting these 21 days and you, the fast you're doing is I'm, you're fasting vegetables, you're not fasting. That's easy. I'm just kidding. That could be tough for some people. Some people love veggies. He never asked us to fast like paying our bills or give up paying our bills. He never asked us to give up laundry. Never the things we'd love for God to just come in, you know, yell at us from heaven. Reagan, don't ever pay another bill. Praise God, I'm ready. 
course, with that, don't ever spend any money. Um, but he doesn't ask us to do the things that we want to give up because that would be easy and he wants to know our heart. God's about our heart. Genesis, the second verse of my text verse, I'm gonna read just that second verse to you again. God's talking to Abraham, he says, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. There was, you could say there was nobody else in the world he loved more than his son Isaac. And go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. God will ask us to do the most difficult things. Now, let me qualify this. This is a very unique situation, okay? God does not ask people to go sacrifice their sons or their daughters, even though some of us would like for him to say, at least kick them out of the house. He doesn't, he doesn't tell us to do these things, right? This is a very unique situation. When you understand the context of scripture and the Old and the New Testament together, it makes total sense. But the reality is this shows the character of God in that he will ask us to do some of the most difficult things in our life. And you know, we want him to speak to us. Everyone wants to hear from God. Man, if I, if I preach a sermon on hearing the voice of God, man, I got everybody's ears the whole time because everybody wants to know, how can I hear God more? How can I hear him? How can I push out all the noise and just focus in and hear God? We want to hear from God, but we want God to speak to us the things that are really cool. We wanna hear stuff like, you know, how he's gonna help us win in life and how he's gonna help us succeed and how this trial I'm going through is gonna be over in a day or two or, you know, the good stuff. We don't wanna hear him say, hey, take that thing you love so much and sacrifice it. Take that thing that you just really love. In fact, take that thing that I gave you and sacrifice it, which is exactly what he did here with Abraham. He gave him that son, yet he asked him to sacrifice it. God will ask us to do some of the most difficult things. God speaking to us often involves sacrifice. In fact, a lot of times it involves taking us through suffering. Now listen, I don't, this, is, this is not a like, non-feel-good sermon, okay? This is not a message where I wanna, uh, want us all to feel like, man, this faith thing, this is tough, because it's not about that. But the reality is, as you grow in your faith, and as you grow in love for Jesus, you, f you start to realize as you grow that it is actually the privilege, one of the privileges of living for Jesus is being able to suffer for Jesus. It's being able to sacrifice for Jesus. Not like torture, not like that kind of stuff, but to, but to really, to, to be able to sacrifice, to give things up for the glory of God. Because that's only the Spirit of God working in you to do that. None of us have it in us on our own to sacrifice for Jesus, nobody. That's not what we wanna do. If we don't have the Spirit of God in us, we can still maybe live some li a life of sacrifice, but you know who it's gonna be for? This guy right here. So I feel good about myself. But to actually do it for something bigger than yourself and above yourself, it is about the Spirit of God working in us. And it is a privilege to be able to suffer for the Lord in our life, to be able to sacrifice for him. And it's all through Scripture. And you look in the book of Acts when Paul first got, had that encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was blinded and, and he had to be led into Damascus. And God spoke to Ananias and said, Ananias, I want you to go pray for Paul so that he can be healed. And Ananias had heard about Paul and he said, Lord, I don't know, this guy, I, he's been persecuting Christians pretty bad. And look what he says in uh, Acts 9, 15. It says, the Lord told Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. Ooh, that's pretty cool, praise God. Paul, you're one of the lucky ones that get to do all that. Oh wait, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Well, that's not quite as awesome. He's gonna have to suffer for my name. 
And you might say, well, that's just Paul. I mean, Paul wrote, you know, third of the New Testament. Of course, of course, he's gonna have to suffer. God really had to have him on a short leash. Okay, Romans 8. These are the words of Paul himself in Romans 8, 16. He says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Praise God, that shouting grounds, hallelujah. I'm a child of God. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ. If, everybody say if. We don't like ifs in the Bible, they're not good. Because that means there's something on us. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. It's not about going and hanging on a cross for Jesus. This is about a mindset that we have, that we would embrace what he has done for us and we would be willing to lay our lives down for him. And then when he speaks to us, church, when Jehovah Jireh, our provider, speaks to us, oftentimes he is asking us to sacrifice. If God never asks us to sacrifice, we are not listening to Jehovah Jireh. We are not listening to our God. He is not just the good times, everything's gonna be awesome words that he gives through people to you or even to you yourself. There's going to be sacrifice and suffering and it is actually a privilege to be able to do that for him when you understand it and you understand who he is. He will ask us to do the most difficult things even when it seems like it's crazy, like he did with Abraham. It seemed crazy that he would ask Abraham to do that. You know, when uh, before we were in vocational ministry, Joy and I, many of you know, we had a building business. We built houses. Or I built houses and she prayed for me. <laughs> and um, dur in, in, during this time, especially early on in the business, if you've ever had a business, you know oftentimes it can feel like it's either feast or famine, right? And this was early on and it felt like we were going through a season of a little bit of famine. And, and I was concerned because I was looking at the, the books and it didn't seem like at the end of the month we were going to have enough to pay the banks and the vendors and everything. And so Joy and I got together and we prayed and we felt like the Lord was speaking to our hearts to take the, one of the houses I was building at the time and take all the profits from that house and give it to missions. And I was like, um, Lord, maybe you misunderstood. I didn't say I had too much money. I said, I don't have enough. <laughs> and I was expecting him to go, oh, but he didn't. Um, and I was, I was struggling with it and I was arguing with God and frankly, I was arguing with Joy too because she was much more resolved. Praise God for a, a wife that has enough faith to be able to stand up to her husband when he's being crazy and narcissistic. And uh, so I, I remember even, I, like, I know my Bible, and I was like, you know, Psalms, it says that the wicked borrow money and don't repay it. So why, when in the Bible has God ever took, took somebody and told them to do something that goes against his word? And while I was saying it, I mean, the Holy Spirit, I know it was him as much as I know anything in this world, immediately put it in my head, the story of Abraham and Isaac and sacrificing his son. Completely goes against the character of God, doesn't it? God wasn't about human sacrifice. That was a pagan thing that they did. God never did that. And then to promise him a son and tell him to go sacrifice it. And I knew right away that this is something God wanted us to do. And I could tell you, church, that if you wanna get to the finish line of the provision that you need from God, if you want God to provide for you, you wanna get to that place where you see the provision, sometimes God will ask you to do the most difficult things things that don't even make sense. And you know, we gave that money, I, I wrote a check and brought it here to the church and gave it to the missions department. This was like 17 years ago. And I gave, gave, it, gave it to them. Um, I, all my bills were paid at the end of the month. All my vendors were paid at the end of the month. And our business grew year after year after that. And I praise God for it because it was nothing about me. I can't even fully explain it if I'm honest. 
but it just, God just did it. And it was an incredible moment for me and for joy in our faith and just watching God provide and being willing to do something that was very difficult, to see the provision of God. Now, would God have provided if we refused to do that? I don't know. But I know that I didn't see that provision until after we did what he called us to do. So our part in all of this is when God speaks and asks us to do something very difficult is immediate obedience. The Bible says that Abraham, early the next morning, he got up and he took off and he went on his way. Why didn't he just wait a few days? Why didn't he wait and see like, okay, God, if this is really you, I need you to send me a prophet to confirm this because this is a tough one. Why didn't he just wait? Well, you know why we can't wait? Because if we delay, we talk ourselves out of it. Because here's the deal. When the Lord speaks to your heart, when you think you believe you've heard from God, whether it's through reading his word, something just, you just know God is saying something to you. When you believe that, you need to act on it before your heart and your head catch up. Because when your heart and your head catch up, they're gonna talk you out of it. Because I can tell you, your heart and your head are narcissistic. They're selfish, they're self-preserving. That your heart and your head is where the sin nature that dwells in you, that's where that abides. So if that stuff catches up, <laughs> that word of God's gonna be long gone. And we've all done it. I've done it, I'm sure you've probably done it too. Maybe even in a service here at church where you felt like the Lord spoke something to you and you were like, I'm gonna do something, I feel like it's pretty radical, but I'm gonna do it. And by the time you get to your car, you're like, eh, I don't know about that. God, confirm it. Confirm it, God. When you knew it 10 minutes ago, but you delayed, and so you talked yourself out of it. We have to obey immediately because if we don't, our head and our heart and our body will get in the way. Now, if I can encourage you, okay, because sometimes this can sound a little scary. I don't want to be extreme. I'm not saying that if you let God speak to you, he's going to tell you to give away your house and your cars and go sit in a ditch and wait for somebody to come rescue you, okay? That's not what we're saying today. I want to encourage you in that, that God will not make you do something that your faith cannot carry you, okay? When the Lord spoke to Joy and I about giving away this large sum of money, which was pretty large for us, uh, we'd already lived a lifestyle. In fact, we believe God called us into business to help fund the kingdom, so we, we already understood sacrificial giving. We gave uh, consistently and constantly over and above what we sometimes could even afford. But this was another level, huge another level for us. But we were prepared for something like this because we'd seen God provide other times before too. You know, Abraham, when God told Abraham to do this, his faith was strong enough to carry him to do this. It wasn't like Abraham was just this nobody selfish guy and all of a sudden out of nowhere, God says, hey, take your kid and slay him. And he's not gonna do it to you either. He, he only ask the difficult things of us that our faith can carry us because otherwise we'll just be crushed and broken and we wouldn't be able to do it anyway. And then we just live con condemned and feeling like we're less than enough. So don't be afraid to say, God, I'm okay if you bring me a test. I'm okay if you ask me to do some of the most difficult things because he will only ask you to do what your faith can carry you to do in your life, okay? Okay, I wanna give you the third one. We'll move along here. Another characteristic of Jehovah Jireh is that he wants to know. Jehovah Jireh wants to know. In Genesis 22, 12, this is after Abraham had pulled the knife, was ready to do it. God stops him and then he says, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld your son, your only son. God wants to know. The provider of your life wants to know. Well, wait a minute. 
Doesn't he know everything? Isn't he omniscient? Yes, he is. In fact, the literal meaning of omniscient is all-knowing. So he knows everything. So that sounds like a contradiction. God says, well, now I know as if I didn't know before. Well, that's why you have to look deeper into the verses sometimes. Because that word know there, where he says, now I know, that word know there actually means to know by experience. This is so good, church. This is so good. Because God is saying, now I know by experience. Basically, I wanted to see it. I knew, because I know everything, but I wanted to see it. He wants to see our faithfulness. He wants to see us do what he has asked us to do when it is a tough thing to do. He wants to experience it. He wants to experience us being faithful. He wants to experience us being obedient. He wants to experience it with us. And when he does, then he knows that he can trust us too. But I can tell you this, it's as much for us as it is for him. In fact, it's probably, it's more for us than it is for him. Because there is something about it. If you've ever stepped out in faith, if you're on this journey of faith and you've stepped out where you did something, you felt like God asked you to do something that was very difficult and you did it and God met you at that place of obedience, it is absolutely amazing. It is absolutely amazing. You can't even fully portray it to someone. You can't fully explain it, what it is like to step out. Let me tell you, I was terrified to give away that money, but I did it. In fact, by the time we actually gave it away, I was excited. But I gave it away, the Lord met all of our needs, and I could tell you, I mean, it was 17 years ago, we're still talking about it today, because it is huge. Because it, it almost solidifies to me and joy. Well, now I know too. <laughs> Now I know that God can speak to me and we're willing to do it. And I know that God's gonna meet me in that place. God met me in that place. And those places in my life where I have stepped out and I've done things that have been difficult, those are the landmarks of my faith. And they are for you too. We talk about the things God has done in our life. We always talk about those landmarks. And a lot of them have to do with saying, man, God, I felt like God told me to do this and I was scared to death, but I did it. And whoo, he met me there. And let me tell you, my faith has grown ever since. How do we, you can't get those landmarks if you're not stepping out. No one talks about like, yeah, you know, it's just been, man, I remember five years ago, I got up and I went to work and I, I came home and had dinner and watched some TV and went to bed. It was amazing. Nobody does that because that's just mundane. The things we remember, the things that stoke our faith are those moments where we, maybe scared and trembling, we went, I promise you, Abraham was scared for three days. Like, what's God gonna do? I mean, Hebrews 11 tells us, the hall of faith that talks about some of the faith of the patriarchs, tells us that Abraham believed in his heart that even if God did let him kill his son, he was gonna raise him back. But that's still, to put a knife in your son? I mean, that's horrible. I mean, Abraham, you know he was terrified. He was trembling. And he did it, and it became a landmark in his faith. And it became a landmark for all of our faiths, because it's in the word of God. He, he will meet us in that place, and it is incredible when we step out and see him provide and be Jehovah Jireh in those moments. He wants to know, and we need to know too. Okay, and fourth and finally, Jehovah Jireh meets us at the place of sacrifice. This is my favorite. His provision to Abraham did not come before he was obedient. The Bible says that, you know, this, that after Abraham did what he did, he looked over and he saw a ram stuck by his horns in a thicket. 
It's interesting though, because the Bible doesn't say that like the ram just all of a sudden appeared. It says that Abraham saw this ram. There's a good chance that ram was there the whole time. But Abraham never saw the provision because he hadn't done what he needed to do yet to be able to see the provision. God meets us at the place of sacrifice. It's not enough to just say, I'm willing to do this, God, now go ahead and provide for me. He's gonna make you put your money where your mouth is. He meets us at the place of sacrifice. I believe if Abraham and Isaac had just stood there, they went up to that place on the mountain and they built the altar and then they just stood there and waited, like God's gonna bring us something. Don't worry about it, Isaac. They'd, they'd still be standing there. The reason God provided was because Abraham was obedient all the way, all the way. At the risk of the integrity of the promise of God to have a child being destroyed, he was willing to do what he felt God told him to do. He walked in obedience and in boldness and he saw God provide at the place of his sacrifice. Church, your provision that you're looking for, where you need Jehovah Jireh to, to show up in your life, that provision you're looking for might be right there. It might be right there right now and you can't see it because you're not being obedient. That'll preach all day. You might not see the provision God has for you because he has covered your eyes from seeing it until you're obedient. It's not enough to say, okay, God, yeah, I'm willing to do that. Now let me see the provision. That's not what it shows here. If it was, if it was that easy, God would have just, as they were going up the mountain, they would have saw that ram and be like, oh, thank God I didn't have to do that and just go grab the ram and sacrifice it. God made them wait. They could not even see it until they walked in obedience. And God meets us at that place of sacrifice. In fact, that's one of the reasons we fast. You know, if you're new to the idea of fasting, one of the, one of the reasons for fasting is because we are called to sacrifice. And if you know anything about fasting, if you practice it in your life, there's something about it that's unexplainable, indescribable, but God meets you at that place. This is, this is evidence of that. Jehovah Jireh provides for us when we fast, when we give up something, when we're willing to sacrifice, God meets us at that place. It's one of the principles of fasting. I don't understand it fully, but I understand it enough to know that God wants us to crucify the flesh and to put away some of those things for a season that we love, and he meets us in that place. These banner nights that we're doing this month, we're doing it this Sunday, tomorrow, uh, next Sunday, and then the third Sunday, we're doing these in the evening, and we're asking God to come meet us in this place, to come provide for us in this place. One of the reasons we're doing it on Sunday night, we could do it on Sunday morning. We could call them banner mornings. We could do that. We're doing it on Sunday night because it's a sacrifice to come back on a Sunday night. And we believe God meets us in that place of sacrifice. It's a small sacrifice to come back. For some of you, it's bigger than others, especially if you're a big football fan, it's playoff time, but... It's a sacrifice to come back. And we believe God meets us in that place of sacrifice. That when we are showing him that we're not just willing to do it, but we actually do it, all of a sudden there's the ram. There's the provision. It's incredible. God is so amazing in how he provides for us and meets us in that place of sacrifice. Our part in all of it is to honor God before man. See, if we honor God before man, it makes sacrifice much more palatable. If it's about honoring man, a God, then we, then we get the heart of God and we can sacrifice. If it's about 
fear of man or honoring man first, sacrifice is something we don't wanna do. In fact, Abraham, if you, if you caught it from the story, when they get to the mountain, he had servants with him. And he was a wealthy man at this time, so he probably had a whole entourage of servants with him on this journey. And then when they got to the bottom of the mountain, he said, hey, you guys wait here. Me and the boy are gonna go up here and we'll come back. Why did he do that? Well, the scripture doesn't tell us, but I feel like it's pretty logical that he probably told them to stay there because when they got up there and he, they, his servants start, saw him start binding up Isaac, they would have probably been like, dude, what are you doing? This is the promise from God. You've told us how God promised you this, shit, this child and here you are, you got him, now you're gonna kill him? You've lost your mind, Abraham. And he knew enough to know these guys gotta stay because they are not gonna be on board with this. It was about honoring God, not man. And we have to be willing to honor him first. That is what causes us and leads us and drives us to that place of sacrifice. When I wanna honor God with my life, sacrifice is actually pretty easy. It was actually very easy for us when the time came for Joy and I to decide whether or not we were going to come on staff here. We had an opportunity to be the executive pastor. This is in 2014. And we had to decide, are we gonna give up our business to come be church staff and, and work in vocational ministry. And we prayed about it. And let me tell you something, one of the biggest things was the financial part of it. If a building company's doing well, you can make good money. No one goes into ministry for the money. No one, if you do, you're <laughs> sorry, you missed it. So I took a substantial pay cut to come into ministry, but we prayed about it, it didn't take very long at all. We knew. Like, I wanted to do this to honor God. I knew this wasn't about me, it wasn't about us, it wasn't about my ministry legacy, it wasn't about any of those things. It was like, how can I be effective for the kingdom of God? And when it was about that, it was easy to make this decision. And let me tell you, we sacrificed and God has provided every step along the way for the last 10 years. I've never missed a meal, as you can tell. I've never, never gone without anything that I've ever needed in my life. Because God as Jehovah Jireh showed up in my sacrifice and he will in yours too. And that's exactly what God wants for each and every one of us in our life. Would you stand with me, please? Praise God, yes, praise the Lord. Listen, I wanna invite you to the altar. I wanna pray for us. I, I wanna pray for those of us that would wanna commit today. And by coming, you're not saying you're not already committed, but it's January, it's a new year. Let's start off this year by saying, God, I'm committing to you to, to let you be Jehovah Jireh in my life and whatever that means, if that means tests, if that means doing something difficult, whatever that means, Lord, I wanna be obedient and faithful to you. So come to the altar. I wanna pray for those of you that wanna make that commitment today just to stand before the Lord and commit to him as your provider. Don't wait. There is, there is power in stepping out. There really is to stand. There's nothing, no great power at this front of this stage. It's not about that. It is about our willingness and our faithfulness and our determination. You know, Abraham had to pass the test and do something very difficult to see the provision of the Lord. It's not always how it works. Obviously, you've had provision in your life where you haven't had tests for it. But I can tell you, I believe that the things in our life that have a lot of meaning Many of those things come after we've been tested and after we have been made to sacrifice something. I believe it because I've experienced it in my own life and I know many other people who have had said the same thing. The, the landmark things that have happened in life, so many of them come after testing or after having to be obedient through a very tough situation. So don't be afraid 
to let God test you. Don't be afraid if you feel like God's telling you to give up something. Don't turn a deaf ear to what God says because anytime he tells you to do it, he's always looking to show you that he is Jehovah Jireh, that he is your provider. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. As we sang earlier today, worthy is your name, Jesus. Just your name alone is worthy. Just your name alone can send the demons fleeing. What a powerful name. And God, we come to you in that mighty name. It is not in our own power. It is not in our own goodness. It is not in our own righteousness. It is not in our own might. It is not because we deserve it. We come because of who you are. And it is in your name. We throw ourselves at your feet today, Jesus. And we ask you, Lord, that you would have your way in our lives. God, I pray for everyone at this altar today, Lord, that you would do your work in our hearts. God, that you would be Jehovah Jireh to each and every one of us. And Father, that we would, we would be willing, able, and anticipating anything that might come our way, Lord, that we would walk in obedience, that we would walk in faithfulness, that we would continue to keep our eyes fixed on you. Lord, when you bring tests into our life, help us to see what tests are from you and need to be weathered and what tests are from the enemy that need to be dealt with. God, would you give us discernment? Lord, we cannot do it on our own. We're not hearing audible voices from you, God. So you need to speak to us. I pray you'd open our hearts to be able to hear your voice in our life. And God, also when you ask us to do the difficult things, Lord Jesus, would you help us? Lord, we don't wanna do difficult things. The human nature is to wanna make life as easy as possible to make it as comfortable as possible. But Lord, we know, we see from your scriptures that even following you, Jesus, is a call to suffer in many ways. So Lord, would you help us? We have nothing to bring you except ourselves. We have nothing to make you do what we want you to do. We're just offering ourselves. We are your children. We were created in your image. You love us and we thank you for that. And we ask that you would have your way, Lord, that your provision would be seen. God, if that provision for whatever the people at this altar need, God, if it's staring them in the face, but they can't see it because they haven't walked in obedience, help them to see what that is, to be obedient to what you've called us to do and to walk it out in boldness, trusting you, God. Help us to build landmarks in our faith this year in 2024. We pray there'd be incredible landmarks, God, that we would talk about for the rest of our lives of how we stepped out in faith and trusted you and saw you provide for us. And we will give you the glory, Lord. We will honor you, God, because it is all about you. Grow our faith this year. Let 2024 be a year of growth in our faith for your glory and for our good. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen.